0: It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with certified financial planners, Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory.
1: The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel
2: University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the program. Right here with me in the KFG studio is my business partners
0: and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. So Mike, health insurance remains one of the most important factors in your ability and the timing of your retirement. So if you're retiring before 65, what are your options for health insurance and how would you rank or prioritize those options. We're gonna hit that and much more coming up on this episode.
2: If you are a fan of the Wise Money Show, you might you might notice a trend. Sometimes we get a little long-winded and we don't always get to listener questions. And so that's why if you engage with us and, and ask a question of the show, we're gonna we're gonna answer your question, okay? But we're gonna put it in the queue and 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 hopefully hit it on an upcoming program. And I just I really, guys, I want to. Let's, let's hit questions today. Questions okay. today it is. Okay, so you can submit your question online, wisemoneyshow.com. There's a spot right there on the right. You can text your question in to us, 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Most people leave questions, engage with the show on social media. You can do so wherever you're at. We are there as well. A lot of them come on the YouTube channel, leaving comments and whatever questions. Got a couple great questions recently. Again, I'm gonna, we're going to answer them but hopefully we can hit them on, on an upcoming program. We plan to do that today. So reach out w- to us if you have questions. Uh, last week, we talked about this, this retirement boom. And Josh said, there's really not a retirement boom. It's just the baby boom and they're retiring. And I, said, Kevin and I said, no, you're wrong. Prove us wrong. Um, you can't. And so more and more <laughs> people are retiring early and that's leading to an enormous problem, right? Retirement planning, you've got to look at all six areas of your financial life to say, can I do this? And what are the trade-offs? Am I ready? But you've got to solve a few problems. And you would argue the biggest problem you've got to solve is, what are my health insurance choices if I'm not yet 65, okay?
1: Doesn't it feel like this is the one that scares most people away from early oh, yeah. early retirement? Yeah. You know, maybe they can... They've got a nice nest egg. Maybe they could start drawing Social Security at age 62, or or if they lost their spouse, they could draw it even earlier. Age 60 is the absolute earliest in some circumstances. But just because you have all those other ducks in a row, you get down to figuring out health insurance, and and people sometimes get sticker shock when yeah. they see just how much that would cost, or they get overwhelmed by figuring out, boy, how do I replace what was previously just done for me, you know, by my employer, maybe you're coming off of a group, group health insurance plan. So I, this is a big topic because it, it may be the one thing that is holding you back from marching into retirement a little earlier than what uh, maybe you otherwise were planning.
2: I was serving some folks who own a business and they've, they've done very well and they've saved, sacrificed a lot. They're selling the business, but they're 63. And part of the negotiation is they just don't want to venture into this land between, and they're saying, I'm selling the business, you are the owner, but I'll stay working a little bit, which is probably good, and and I need benefits. And they're mm-hmm. structuring that in the deal because they don't want to go into the land of unknown with health insurance.
0: Yeah, so if you're listening and you say, "What what's the big deal about 65? So 65 is where Medicare begins, and you're eligible for Medicare. Now, in some unusual circumstances, you could be eligible for Medicare before 65. But just think if you're 99 point whatever percent of the population at 65, you're eligible for Medicare. So that's the government run health care system for elderly folks. And a lot of times people will confuse it and it'd be easy to confuse Medicare or Medicaid. Medicaid is for indigent people or people that don't have money. Mm-hmm. Um and so the, the government has said, look, Medicaid is part of the the social safety net. And in reality, Medicare is part of the social safety net as well. It's a government program to make sure that there's um fraud and waste and <laughs> no. I, 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 no, no. stop it, stop it. No, no, no. But it, it's to make sure that people don't go without health care. Yep. And so if you say, well, what then at 65, what are what are my what are even my options? Before sixty-five, yeah
2: and that's what we're hitting right now and and there's there's three primarily and and I, helping with this we're not only going to talk through these but we're going to prioritize them and and because you've got to look at kevin saying there's four i'm saying there's five kevin fine
0: there's six um <laughs> prove me wrong <laughs> there's
2: so so the first one that you probably got to look at and consider. You're you're retiring either by your choice or it's forced upon you and you're not yet eligible for Medicare is make your spouse go back to work. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Is is COBRA is COBRA continuation of benefits. Honey, go to work. (laughs) Yeah. So. So, guys, what's what's COBRA other than a pretty scary snake?
0: It's the Consolidated Omnibus Budget Reconciliation Act of 1985. Yeah, so another government
1: acronym here. But basically, that was a law that said if you leave your employer, it allows you to have continuation of the same health insurance plan that you had under that employer. So in in many ways, I, I guess it's appropriate that we're starting with this one because if you worked for a large employer and they had group health insurance for you, you can continue what you have. And so that becomes really... Um, Kind of the benchmark, I guess, that if you were going to pick something other than this, it would be because that something else was better than this or cheaper than this or whatever. But, um, you know, a lot of people would look at Cobra as almost their preferred one because it's the known quantity. It's, it's the health insurance that you're used to and you know, your doctor's already, you know, qualified or, or right. covered under this plan, that sort of thing.
2: And I wouldn't say known quantity. You're yeah. Right, yeah. The price
1: tag's not known. The, you're right. The,
2: the, the price tag of Cobra. A lot of times people, people think Cobra and they think, okay, my health insurance is staying the same. You're right. Your health insurance is staying the same. The cost is not well wait a second that seems unfair yeah yeah yeah. your employer is likely providing some sort of uh, of cost covering of of a portion of the actual health insurance premium so you you have to pay for cobra you've got to pay unless there's a retiree medical you know benefit that your that your employer is structured you've got to pay the full cost of the health insurance plus oftentimes a two percent administrative fee, and pretty much everyone charges that. So, if you were paying, you know, half the cost, or if you were if you were paying for your dependents but not for you, and you know your company was paying for for a portion of it, when you go on Cobra, you've got to pay for the whole the whole thing.
0: And that is what would make a sixty two year old who says, "Hey, I want to retire," and my Social Security benefit is fifteen hundred, and my Cobra payment is 1200 Jeez. and that's what gets people to say, hey you know what I, <laughs> I have actually seen Cobra with a family program uh, 2,400 bucks. I mean you you some of these numbers you look at that and you say I wouldn't pay it like, mm-hmm. I, I yeah.
1: but you're instantly grateful for your employer who was paying that all those years and you maybe never even realized just how expensive your health insurance was until it's offered to you at full freight yeah. full cost on your shoulders. But it gives you potentially, you know, an, an 18-month window of time where you're protected under the insurance that you've known for so long, and for, for some people, that's enough of bridging the gap between when they retire and then qualify for age 65 Medicare, as Kevin was explaining earlier.
2: So a couple other details here about Cobra. Yeah, there is a limit. It's, it's 18 months. There are some circumstances where you get it for 36 months, but retirement isn't one of them. If you retire, either voluntary or involuntarily, it's 18 months. That's as, that's as much COBRA as you get. That, that's it. There's no way around it. Um, so so that's, that's one item. And then second, your, your employer-provided plan needs to offer COBRA. I mean, most of them do. It's sort of a given, but it's not actually a given. It's not a guarantee. And so, um, so you've got to see cost. Is it available? And it's going to last for up to 18 months.
0: Yep, that that's the key right there. Yep.
2: All right. What are your other options? Again, I think I think it is sort of the benchmark, like Josh said. That's sort of the standard. You look there first. Where do you look second? We've got that more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
2: What are your options for health insurance when you're when you're retiring before you're eligible for Medicare? Okay, at 65, if you're retiring early, what are your options, and then how do you prioritize those options? We're talking about that right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name's Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KF2 studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Find us online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then... Wherever you're at on social media, we are there as well. Search the Wise Money Show. Follow us there. Submit questions there. Uh, you know, engage with the show in that way. All right. So we we if you're retiring before age 65 and you're not yet eligible for Medicare, typically you're going to look at Cobra first, okay? Because you you know what the coverage is. You've got to figure out the cost. You've got to make sure it's offered. You've got to see if 18 months, which is the limit, is enough time. Um, but, but typically you're going to look at Cobra first. Now, Kevin, you mentioned, you know, for, for many cases, it's 18 months, but there are some circumstances where it might be 36 months and you're eating your bagel right now, trying to have breakfast. But I also want to put you on the spot and what's the other perspective
0: there? Well, you would want to know, first of all, when you look at, (laughs) that's funny, Mike. So when you look at 18 months as the, as the magic number that that can drive the decision do i work until I'm 63 and a half but again that's just cobra that's one of the four as we had mentioned there are four different options <laughs> that that we would want to consider so because you say well what if there's a meaningful gap in the age what if I'm what if I'm considerably older than my spouse I get to 63 and a half I can go on cobra until Sixty-five, but my considerably younger spouse won't be sixty-five when I am. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So Cobra creates uh, some interesting story problems to be solved. And again, there are exceptions. If you're, you know, if you're in the military and you're called in to duty, you could have uh, Cobra for twenty-four months. If you're, um, there, there are a number of other exceptions uh, which could have COBRA last up to 36 months.
1: You know, it's interesting that you bring up the scenario where you have uh, spouses of different ages and one gets within striking distance of retirement. They can go on COBRA and, and bridge the gap. That's fine. But, but sometimes when you have a younger spouse like that, um, yes, we can hear your bagel, Kevin. <laughs> it's not distracting at all either. Um, it, when you have a younger spouse like that, it is often the reason why uh, sometimes spouses don't retire at the same time. Yeah. You know, maybe that younger spouse needs to work a little bit longer until they get close enough to to go on, on Medicare or, or come up with a different option like we're talking here. But, uh, you know, a lot of people would love to have both spouses, even at different ages, retire at the same time. But health insurance has
0: to be figured out. That's why we're doing an entire show about this. Right. So when so when you look at this, and this may be the the best time to talk about the four main options that you would consider. Now, some people might say there are more than four, but I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, pay attention to that. So you, so you look at COBRA coverage, number one. But the other thing is, you might want to. And Joshi is saying, hey, you got the younger spouse. The younger spouse it may need to remain in the in the workplace for coverage. Well, one thing that you might consider is, hey. Even though it's, I've always been on my spouse's plan. Maybe we do we reverse roles here, mm-hmm. and so you look at because again, this is part of the planning piece. So you say Cobra is one. My spouse's plan is another. Then there's the public marketplace. So we talk about uh, the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, whatever you want to call it. That's where there are there are government funded premium tax credits that you want to understand, and there are a number of other things there. But there's also private insurance. So whether it's trade groups or things like that. Mike, you said there is a fifth one. To me, the fifth one is what kind of deal can I negotiate?
2: Uh, see, the fifth one is more of a, of a brainstorm. Listen to this. And I'm this is a quick tangent. But listen, <laughs> you've got to insure your kids on your health insurance up until, what, age 26? I think... They should make a, a clause where if you're 60 and you don't have health insurance, you can go back on your kids' insurance. <laughs> That's what I think. They Make, make your kids wow. cover you, right? You've got to now cover these young adults until age 26. Why? Oh, they just – someone decided that. That was the age. Why not? If you're age 60, you can do COBRA. You can do Medicare uh, – or, or excuse me, healthcare.gov – or you can be added to your kids insurance as a dependent.
1: Some aspiring politician is listening to you right now and you just so. set them on a campaign trail. Yeah. I love that idea. Their whole platform is going
2: to be based on this. That's obviously a joke, but I love that idea yeah. for president. So let's go into <laughs> let's let's go into that second option. I mean, this one there was there was some and I, oh gosh, po- politics. I'm not we're not we're going to sidestep the politics here. I'm not going to get into whether we should have Affordable Care Act whether it's meeting its obligation, it's certainly not. Whether it's actually doing what it was supposed to do, whether it's constitutional, but we've got Affordable Care Act. We've got the Marketplace. We've got healthcare.gov. We've got Obamacare. By the way, those are all the exact same thing. And that's typically option number two.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And and the nice thing is, I mean, you have these uh,
1: these plans that you can access through a private insurance company, but you go shopping for it in the marketplace, in this government-run uh, website, essentially. And the, the reason that you need to be aware of this one or or just understand how it's structured is it requires more careful planning, in my opinion. The, the income level that your family has and the size of your family, how many people are in your household, it determines whether or not you're eligible for certain Subsidies that are baked into this. There are things called a premium tax credit, which is basically you getting some money back on your tax return, or potentially, uh, you know, up front knocked off of the the monthly bill, the premium, yeah. and um, it's all based on kind of means testing,
0: essentially.
2: Four hundred percent of the poverty level for your size family. Well, I mean, yeah, right. Well,
0: so so for sure, for sure, for sure, if you're considering the public marketplace, you have to be doing tax planning. Yes. Because this is where I I have seen the, in, the insurance agent makes a recommendation, the tax preparer, because you want to say tax planner, but most folks don't get planning. They just get prepared. So the tax preparer makes another recommendation, and then the investment professional who's – Completely delinked from the other two, says, Oh, that's fine, Mike. Take this money out of your IRA to buy the new car. Right. So, right. what did we just do to Mike's income that year? So, all of a sudden, you have this, this perfect storm where these three people who are all supposed to be working for you. If they're working for you in a silo or in a vacuum, they're not going to be helping you. Exactly. That, that's the danger of having
1: a, a financial plan that is not integrated, or a collection of financial professionals that are not collaborating together. And so to, to, to me, you need to have a certified financial planner in your life who's helping to pull all of that together so you don't step on that minefield or, or that landmine. Um, and really have a a potential tax trap maybe you consider it a health insurance trap maybe you consider it a an investment trap there but the the point is there's lots of mistakes that you can make as soon as obamacare is a part of your life that that's not to say that this is a bad thing or it's not a good option if you're going to retire early it's just one that you have to approach very carefully and just to give you some perspective here in in the year 2021 your income, if it goes over sixty-eight thousand for a married couple, you may start to lose some of those goodies that we were talking about.
2: Uh, it really it underscores the need for planning. Who would have thought you need to do tax planning for your health insurance? I'm going to tell you. I mean, we see lots of these examples. I'm going to share an unbelievable example in just a moment, and then we're going to talk about the third and fourth options for health insurance pre sixty-five. That and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Courthorn Financial Group.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
2: Healthcare.gov uh, or the Affordable Care Act, there's unbelievable, unbelievable tax planning and financial planning uh, opportunities available. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to you, I'm gonna tell you a real life story here coming up. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of The Wise Money Show is on the YouTube channel. Go check it out. Go to YouTube, search The Wise Money Show, subscribe to it, turn on notifications so you, so that you're made aware every time we drop a new episode or a, a next wise step or some other video throughout the week. So go check that out on YouTube. All right. So we're talking about when you retire before being Medicare eligible, 65, you think they'll ever move that age from 65 to
0: 70. Well, the, I think they're going to have to they'll, they'll move it out of necessity. Yeah. During a time of crisis. I think so too. Mm-hmm. Which unfortunately a time of crisis is a time for a
2: crisis and for many Americans and that's like it's not just a we can't have a government mm-hmm. financial crisis without a population right. financial crisis. For it's sure. going to be bad news. Yep. But you know, they've already done that with Social Security. That's created a lot of confusion. They they delinked Social Security drawing age and Medicare and it creates a lot of confusion. So anyway, you're you're not yet 65, not eligible for Medicare. What are your options? You got to consider COBRA. You got to consider, you know, bribing your spouse to go back to work, or uh, that's a joke. But if they've got coverage that maybe they've always thought, well, this isn't good. You haven't. You got to look at their insurance. You got to look at healthcare.gov, uh, which is the marketplace. Um, As meeting with some really close friends, I, I mean, your financial planner genuinely authentically needs to really care about you you know not just chin music not just you know being nice to you like we just care intimately about our clients Mm -hmm. and these they become friends and i've become really really close friends with these folks and his company was shut down and he was thankfully able to retire so transitioned into retirement earlier his spouse has been battling cancer um stage four she's been in in remission but she stays on uh on treatment and right as he was transitioning to retirement and, um, and off of COBRA, uh, she started having COVID symptoms. COVID test, no. Eh, but negative. Well, false positive, no, negative again. And then more and more and more symptoms. Goes to the hospital and they do a quick CT scan. On Tuesday evening, they find out she's got a massive brain tumor. On Thursday morning, she's in the operating room, getting that thing removed from her head. Wow. Right at the time when Cobra's running out. No, I'm not kidding. Hmm. So we've got a decision to make. And so they've saved up and they're financially ready to retire. But we've looked at their financial situation. He's blessed, he's got a pension, about three grand a month. Wow. I mean, that's that's hugely helpful and helps him retire. But they've saved up a lot in cash, and then he's got a little inheritance. And so for these first couple of years of retirement, we structured it so he's going to have his pension. But then they're going to spend cash to supplement their pension. We've done all the capital gain stuff. We're not going to sell anything. We're not going to take anything out of IRAs. Their income's going to be around $36,000. They're going to be able to get family medical insurance through the marketplace for a couple hundred dollars a month hmm. because of these premium tax credits it's not based on their net worth which might in the future be a qualification right now it's just based on income their net worth is significant their income will be small because we've got control over the sources of it and if you look and say well that's not really fair uh, let's talk about fair I mean she they's got a brain tumor she's got cancer she like this is awful situation. It's just how the rules work, and we're being planful with it. that's the that's the approach that you need to have as well. After looking at Cobra, your spouse's potential coverage, and Affordable Care Act, what's the last option? Well, there are some
1: some uh, programs out there that are essentially cost sharing programs you know, uh, usually faith-based um, organizations where essentially it's not a premium technically that you're paying each month. It's you contributing to the coverage of other people's expenses. And, you know, somewhere along the line, it may be your turn to turning some some claims, so to speak, some medical bills that others would help you with. And, uh, you, you know, there's, there's certain... Um, you know, religious groups, I, I think of uh, the Amish, for example, here in in our own backyard, who have done this always. You know, they they have approached health concerns or someone loses uh, a barn or has some sort of catastrophe that that befalls them. And what happens? It's neighbors who come to their their rescue. they They all support each other. It's a true community. Well, essentially, that's what's being formed with some of these, you know, Christian uh, uh, cost-sharing arrangements, it's creating a a community of strangers um, who are going to support each other, essentially, with these these costs. And, you know, you're not—it's not technically insurance, but it does qualify as insurance uh, for Obamacare purposes, that sort of thing.
0: But it does not qualify to let you make an HSA contribution. Correct. That's the that's one of the stinkers yep. about that type of an arrangement.
2: So you've got to look at what are your private or individual health insurance options, and and so you, I mean, there are some. There's not a lot, um, and then there, you know, coupled with that is these exchange the or excuse me, these health um, care Christian share plans sort of things. Those are not insurance. It's not insurance. It is like raw insurance, really. It's, it's, the, it's how insurance started with a lot less bureaucracy. It, I mean, but I, we have to, and your certified financial planner has to tell you, well, that's not insurance. You know, Josh, you pointed out a while ago that no one likes their health insurance, but people actually really like these share plans
1: yeah i I always ask people, you know when when I find someone who has been using this, I always want their opinion on it. And I, to this day, I still have not found someone who complains about it. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I mean, we keep saying this is not insurance, but it is a form of risk management that's and right. that's what insurance is. That's right. It's a tool. It's a way of dealing with potentially a catastrophic, loss. You don't know in this whole group of people, thousands of people, which one's going to get the cancer diagnosis, which one's going to have a sudden heart attack or a stroke or need a major surgery or whatever. You don't know if it's you or if it's your neighbor or someone on the other side of the country. But by kind of banding together and and saying, hey, we're all going to pay a little bit of this cost, it deals with those potentially catastrophic expenses
2: um, w- without bankrupting yourself, potentially. Really quick before we just put the bow on this thing, I, I I haven't seen. I agree, Josh. I've seen lots of people even use that 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 share coverage and with success, and they like it. I haven't seen anyone have a terminal or major major issue. I've seen someone cut their thumb off, you know, and and have some other issues, but no one get. Can- I haven't seen anyone get cancer, and I I don't know how it holds up in really really bad situations like that. But then the other thing is. It's a reimbursement type of program, so you yeah. got to front the money, right? Right, and thankfully hospitals, their billing is just disastrous, right? So you don't get a bill for. I I, I had surgery eighteen months ago. I'm still getting bills, right? So, mm-hmm. so, but it's you've got to you've got to come up with the cash at first, and then you get reimbursed.
0: Yeah, and I I have heard from folks they've waited four, five, six months to get reimbursed. So again, this don't hear this as an endorsement of yeah. any type of program but just it just to know these programs exist and i would look into them so
2: those are your options to retiring before 65 and what you should do with health insurance which one's right for you work with your certified financial planner work with your certified financial planner who's doing comprehensive financial planning who's helped guide you to prepare for retirement guide you to get you over that threshold before 65. We, this is why we have health insurance experts on our team, so they can collaborate with our planners, sit in the same office. A lot of times, they're, uh, clients meeting with one of our health insurance experts right before the financial planning meeting or together. That's the type of service and experience that you need to get the best advice. All right, we've got uh, questions from fans of the show. We've got that and more coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is
1: brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies.
2: Thanks for being with us. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast, wherever you listen. Just check it out. Search Wise Money Show. Sometimes you got to type in with Corehorn Financial Group if you do it's Corehorn with a K and make sure you subscribe to it there and then rate the show, leave a comment there as well. We appreciate that. Man, I love getting engagement with the Wise Money show either through questions online, wisemoneyshow.com, or wherever where you're at on social media submitting questions. We get most of them on the YouTube channel. We've got a few really good ones. i eh, uh, embarrassed to admit these are back from December, but but really, really good. Um, first one comes from fan of the show, Vanessa. She said, from my research on the IRS website, my husband and I technically don't qualify to contribute to a Roth IRA because we're married filing separately. We had opened a Roth IRA each, but came to find out Uh, and and we had to pull out the, the money we put in. We'd really like to start the Roth IRA, but this rule is holding us back. We just don't want to have issues with the IRS when it comes to tax season. Is this true? What do you suggest? And she even wrote in there, um, they've talked to other financial planners and they, they have no idea. And so here's the deal. Here's the, here's the, um, here's the deal we're going to make with each other, um, we're going to throw a bunch of concepts and, and the, uh, the, the financial planning process, thought, and creativity on the airwaves and on YouTube, and we're going to ask you to engage, and if you have questions, just reach out to us. I don't know if I'm going to get to questions every week. I just, I don't. So I'm going to answer, we'll get back to your questions. We will answer your questions, and I did to Vanessa, and, but we've kept it in the queue, and, and I want to talk about it on the show so that it can help not just Vanessa, but other people who would listen. And I responded with, "Yes, that's a real issue and you might not know this, but can you contribute to a Roth IRA? Well, it depends on what your income is. If you're single, what is it? Uh, about 100 100- 140 grand, you
1: start getting phased out. This is a married couple that we're talking to. Right. And so for two, the year 2021, when your income goes north of 198 and uh th- then you start being limited on how much you can contribute outright to a, a Roth IRA. Once you get over two hundred and eight thousand, you're done. So Vanessa's kinda telling us, hey, our income is north of two hundred and eight, they've been uh ruled out potent well maybe maybe she's not saying that. It's because of the married filing separate that is the issue. Right? <laughs> your
2: AGI then is ten grand, right? If yeah. if your AGI is over ten grand, you can't you can't I, I think that's the number. I don't have it right in front yeah. of me. If and it's
0: if it's if it's less than 10 grand you can do a reduced amount and north of 10 grand it's zero nothing right? and
2: and so you might look and say well that's not fair i didn't make the rules i don't i don't really understand it either
0: but also you had to, married filing and separate and you lived with your spouse during any time during the year so here's the first thing I would tell
2: you, Vanessa, or anyone that's in a similar situation. We did a show a few months back about, well, should you consider married filing separately? And maybe you should. Maybe you should. But I'd first want to make sure you're not just doing that because you think it's the best idea, that it's actually been proven, hey, there are legitimate reasons we should do this. This is, this is in our best interest, either for personal reasons or for financial reasons. But let's say you've already done that. I immediately reached out to Vanessa and said, "Listen, yeah, you, you do hit that limit here. What about a backdoor Roth? Mm-hmm. And what about after-tax contributions to your 401k? It, yeah. So, so, so because I don't think, and you can look it up. I haven't, but I don't think there's that same IRA limit married filing separately, right? It's just Correct. the Roth, right? So you can contribute to an IRA and then just convert it to the Roth." Right. That's a way to sneak some money into the into the Roth IRA.
0: And we, yeah, but be, be careful if you have if you have other IRA balances. That's so, right. I mean, for every gimme, there's a gotcha here. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. but but then there's some creativity.
2: OK, so here's the thing. Your financial planner should provide clarity and confidence on where you stand in your financial life. what your goals? are. Are you on track? But they got to provide creativity, too. They've got to know something you don't potentially from their perspective or whatever. They've got to challenge you in a certain way or whatever, help you help you get there. And creatively, you don't want to have an IRA, pre-tax dollars in an IRA when you're doing backdoor Roth. Well, you could ro- you could move your pre-tax IRA money into your 401k. Now you don't have any and then contribute to a, a backdoor Roth. That's one option. It, that's predicated on you having a 401k. I get, yeah, I, I get that. But then the other sneaky way to get money into a Roth is if your 401k plan allows for after tax 401k contributions, you can contribute after tax and say, well, why would I do that? Because then if your plan allows, you can then roll that after tax money directly into your IRA. And usually you can do that while you're still even working. It's not something you just need to build up for in the future. Most plans allow you to do it if they if they let you do after tax. They let you roll it over once a year, sometimes twice a year, to your Roth IRA. How old is Vanessa? Do we know that? Don't know. No. So it, from the picture, she looks relatively young, but I don't trust any of those pictures. <laughs> <laughs> of this,
0: right? From my picture, I, I, I actually, look relatively muscular. My, my picture is
2: actually <laughs> my son Kuiper with a mohawk, which he never has, but that's my picture. So, Thanks. so,
0: so, and that is, and to me, my brain goes to why would someone be married filing separately why 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 would without value judgment i'm looking at fine no 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 no, no. all right so they so so and i looked it up i mean you could have significant itemized deductions limited by adjusted gross income would be one you could participate in income driven repayment plans for student loans that Mm -hmm. might be another reason um You might want to separate your tax liability from your spouse's, you might live in a community property state, there are, and and, and we could go on and on. So there are a number of planning reasons that you might file married, filing separately, but one of the things that I love about the the tax software that we have is there is a, a page that you can look at that says the taxpayer's income was this, the tax liability on that was this, and this is what they paid in toward that. The spouse's income was this; mm-hmm. their tax liability would have been this, and so you can see. Well, who's who's really um, pulling their their weight here and paying their fair share? Now, if it's a if it's a pooled bucket, who cares, right? Mm-hmm. If if someone's overpaying and someone's underpaying, it, it and it all works out. But there there are sometimes situations where you say, How do we do this? But I've I've I don't ever remember seeing where calculating it to file married filing separate puts someone in a better position when they're done with the tax bill if they filed separate versus filed joint.
1: Yeah, it's usually some other planning reason yeah. or whatever. But but most of the folks that i see filing uh married filing separate it's because it's a second marriage situation and they just declared at the front end of this relationship we're just going to keep everything separate you know we're we're not going to commingle anything and that way we we, we don't have finances become a, an issue to argue over or anything like that so you know sometimes it's just sort of a A life decision that causes you to go down this path. And when you realize, oh, that's actually costing us some things, or it's it's making a Roth contribution not really possible for us, maybe you have a heart-to-heart with your spouse and say, you know what, maybe this is a, a time for us to begin merging that part of our life together. And to Kevin's point, you can still keep it separate Um, As far as how much refund does each spouse get or how much does each spouse have to pay in taxes, that is still knowable. But you're just collaborating differently on the tax return to maybe open up some
0: possibilities like a Roth contribution. Yeah, ask your tax preparer to show you that data. And the other thing is, you know, Josh, like you said, if if I made that decision on the front end of a second marriage— I I would allow for things to adjust because as as I work with folks that have that are on a second marriage, um, if if they felt uh, kind of burnt or betrayed or fill in the blank from the first marriage, it's really tough to combine things in the second marriage. Or sometimes they've 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 worked an entire lifetime and they lost their spouse and now okay. It does all of this, which was going to go to our kids, now go to my new spouse, mm-hmm. or my new spouse's next spouse, yeah. or my yeah, right. new spouse's next spouse's kids, and so all of a sudden you say, "Well, wait a minute. I don't. It might be too too painful or too difficult to consider a a combining or commingling, but if in my experience, if you want to work toward Intimacy in your marriage—you've got to find a way to to remove finances as an obstacle to that, and that's a lot of times where where combining at some level will will assist in that or, or encourage that intimacy that you want to have in your marriage. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, next question from the same video on YouTube uh, came from Mark, and he said, "I have a Roth 401k with my employer." I plan to work for this company past age 72. In the year I retire, age 72 or later, do I need to take RMD on my 401k or can I avoid it by rolling it into the Roth IRA before year end? I, I got back to Mark as well. And, and so the first thing, and this is all from a Next Wise Step video that says, yeah, yeah, do, do you need to take <laughs> RMD from a Roth 401k. Uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, you do. There's a there's the, the gotcha. Now, while you're still working, you don't need to. But if you st- if you leave it there, you've got to. Do you need to take RMD from a Roth IRA? No, no, you don't. So Mark's saying, hey, I'm aware of this rule. Can I just avoid it by when I retire? Just quickly oop, sneak it over to my Roth IRA. And I told him I can't I can't see the rule, but. I, the, the reason why you've got to do RMD from a Roth 401k is it's blending the rules between Roth and 401k. And I think the 401k rule is gonna take precedence here on the way out. And that is if you've ever rolled a 401k over to an IRA when you're supposed to, when you're when you're obligated to do an RMD required minimum distribution, they tell you, okay. We've got to take RMD on the way out the door. So we're going to send you your RMD, and then we'll roll the rest of the money over. I've never seen it when you're required to do RMD where they let you roll it all over to the IRA and do your RMD there. They force you to take it out during the rollover process. So, Mark, that's what I shared on YouTube, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure. we, We don't say those words here, but I'm pretty sure you're going to need to take your RMD on your way out the door of your Roth.
0: Yeah. And I I would think, Mark, one of the things that I would encourage you to do is see what the rules are for your plan. Some plans allow for in-service distributions. Mm -hmm. Some plans allow for, you can move all your money out after you hit 59 and a half. So there are all kinds of different rules. Look at your plan document, talk to your administrator, but find out what your options are, because you might have some pretty sweet options. That's great.
2: Thanks for the question, Vanessa and Mark. Thanks for your listenership of the Wise Money Show. That's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, myself, all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, we'll see you next Saturday right here for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group.
0: Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Wealth Management, LLC, and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.